What is good, guys? Welcome to Top House Sports, where we analyze and break down sports games from the week, as well as our reactions and predictions from this past week. I'm Hansel Chu, along with Kaden Mutamid, and we have a lot to talk about, so let's get started. The main guy that's in the hot topic of debate throughout the whole NBA scenery this past week, Anthony Davis, has been on an MVP stretch in a very crucial and very much of a big statement win for the Lakers against the Bucks. He dropped an astounding 44 points and went head-to-head against Giannis Antetokounmpo, and then just the game after, against the Washington Wizards, he put up a season-high 55 points on their heads. And with this historic stretch from Anthony Davis, Caden, do you think he can win the MVP this year? Um, I'm not going to say no, because I, I, the way that he's been playing is an MVP like caliber level, and so... I think that the only possible way for him to win the MVP is for the Lakers to start winning games consistently. In order for a player to win the MVP award, you need to be a top seed in your conference. And so I think that if the Lakers kind of like figure their stuff out, potentially just like really start just to win games, then that's the way that Anthony Davis has a good, better chance of winning MVP. Although he's putting up these crazy stat lines, Right now, I think that it's just like you can't say that he's in the MVP conversation because the Lakers are still kind of on the verge of missing the playoffs. Of course, it's, you know, it's very early into the season, so it's hard to say it. But as of right now, their current position, it it just wouldn't do. If the Lakers could get to the top six seed, do you think that Anthony Davis can win the award? Top six is rough because I know the really only time that we've seen something like that occur is with Westbrook when he just averaged a 36 or not 36 a 30 point triple double um and like 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 you said like it, it is possible I'm not going to rule it out but when you have people playing at higher levels like Tatum and his teams atop the conference along with maybe like um Giannis Antetokounmpo who's also a, has a top seed in his conference for his team it's just it's 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 a little difficult to give it to someone who's that much lower but if he not consistently plays like this because I don't think anyone in their right mind can consistently play at the level that he's been in the past like week or two weeks stretch. Um, I think that it's just like it's it's tough to say because it, there's there's so many questions about Anthony Davis. Also the injury injury prone aspect too. If he keeps up though, if he remains healthy and plays somewhat near this level, it's possible. I think. Yeah, I don't know. Like you said, it's tough because he's been playing such a high level, but I think the MVP is only given to teams that are above the top four seed, even though it's not like entirely stated in the rule book, but usually it goes to a player on one of the best teams in the NBA and I don't just I don't think the Lakers can make the top four seed this year. It's kinda hard to say with how bad of a start they had in this season. But Anthony Davis, I think he's having the best season of his career so far. Better than the year he had with the Pelicans when they made the playoffs in 2018 with DeMarcus Cousins. We all know that season he was phenomenal. Beat the Blazers, swept them. He had a phenomenal series in that year. And I also think he has a better season right now than the championship season he had with the Lakers in 2020. And we know how instrumental Anthony Davis was for that championship team. And this season, we're seeing the Lakers actually running the offense through Anthony Davis and not LeBron James. And what I've been seeing in the past couple weeks, I've been stating it the whole time before, even before the Lakers started uh, this season, for for LeBron James to play off the ball. And this past week, I've seen LeBron play the most off ball I've ever seen him play in his entire career. And that results in wins for the Lakers. They're 7-3 in the past 10 games. And right now, on the season, Anthony Davis is averaging 28.6 points per game, 12.8 rebounds, 2.4 blocks, 
on 59% field goal shooting, all career highs except for the block margin. I mean, he's just having such a career year. I don't see that stopping anytime soon with how the Lakers are running the offense through him, and he's just been looking dominant. I don't see any big guy that could stop him, especially with that game against the Bucks where Giannis Harold as probably the favorite to win the Defensive Player of the Year so far. He dropped the 44 points on him like it was nothing. And with how great Anthony Davis is played right now, Caden, where do you rank him among the NBA best bigs and some considerable options to put Giannis Antetokounmpo, Nikola Jokic, and Joel Embiid? Now, it's really, really tough because all those players are phenomenal and, in my opinion, top 10 players in the league as of right now. Um... Honestly, I can't put him over Giannis as of right now. I think that he's having a far better season than Jokic. I think Jokic's team is kind of like playing at an inconsistent level. And not him more so, but he's just not playing to his like MVP caliber numbers this year. And while I don't think it's fair to degrade how like him in whatsoever, because he is a back-to-back MVP right now. I think he's playing better than Jokic, and I think that it's debatable for Joel Embiid as well. So I'm going to put him in the top three, either at the two or three spot. So which big are you kicking out then? I'll have to kick out Jokic, and it's tough because uh, he's just an all-around guy. He can get you 10 assists as a big man. That's not something that's traditionally found in the NBA, but it's just like Giannis Giannis is at an MVP level. He's uh, by far, in in my opinion, the best two-way player in the league. Um... As as we've seen him win both the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year award, um, Joel Embiid, his dominance I feel like is really what I like sets him apart from these bigs in that that way. I think that Giannis, while he's a great great um, just paint player, that Joel Embiid is just too much to handle for really any big in the league. And honestly, I I think somewhat similarly that that that's the case for Anthony Davis as well. I don't think there's really a player that can just put up with Anthony Davis's physicality consistently and so that's why i put him in the top three i mean Giannis, i think is the best big in the nba no doubt about that and i have him number one i think number two might have to go to Jokic, man like this guy is still the back-to-back mvp he's coming for the third time i don't think he's going to get the third mvp this year but he's coming for that third mvp sometime soon still and i know he's probably the only big out of those four that doesn't average the most points but his impact on the field is way more impactful than I would say either Embiid or Anthony Davis has I mean this guy could rebound the ball he is above he's a pretty great defender as well he doesn't get all the nice looking blocks like Giannis and Embiid and Anthony Davis does but he still alters shots and I mean he is the best passing big man we've ever seen in the game and his impact on offense not just through scoring but his playmaking as well on defense I think you have to put him at number two and if I have to put either Joel Embiid or Anthony Davis, I mean, I still have to go with Embiid. Embiid is a, this guy is a guard in a seven-foot body, and the way that he's able to score the basketball so effortlessly, so smoothly, I don't see where I could put Anthony Davis over Embiid. And it's kind of hard to say because I'm a Lakers fan, and I've seen Anthony Davis play against all three of these players. But with how great Giannis is, with how great Nikola Jokic is, how great Embiid is, Anthony Davis, I'm sorry, but he still doesn't reach that top three echelon for me this season. But, I mean, that's just how great the NBA is. We have all these great talent, and with a guy like Anthony Davis not even cracking the top three in NBA bigs, it just kind of shows how great the talent pool is right now in the NBA. And another big topic of debate so far for the Lakers, Russell Westbrook has been rumored in a trade package with him and two first-round picks traded to the Chicago Bulls for DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic. 
And if you're the Lakers, you think you should pull this trigger? Um, the thing is, I feel like the center, the uh, center position for the Lakers is kind of like a necessity that they kind of just change that. Although, at times we've seen LeBron play the five, and even Anthony Davis play the five. So the players at that position are respectively good. But I feel like if you're playing AD at the four in in the way that he was um playing in the finals run in 2020, I think that would be quintessential for the Lakers to kind of like dominate the games more so because having Anthony Davis as your like not tallest player he will just be a mismatch problem um for any team's four no matter who it is really and so uh it's tough but I don't like um it's 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 really tough man I I Nikola Vucevic specifically I think he would fit tremendously with this team DeMar DeRozan on the other hand it's it's just another player that like doesn't have consistent outside shooting and I think that would maybe cause a little bit of just like floor spacing issues for this team still because Anthony Davis is still yet to like branch into his like three-point shooting that we may have seen him in years past LeBron honestly has not shot the three as good as he has in his career as well and coupled that with Westbrook like right now if this before this trade their floor spacing is very questionable and so Adding DeMar DeRozan in that aspect, I don't know about it, but I'm I think that Vucevic, if you can manage to keep Russell Russell Westbrook, maybe package I don't know Kendrick Nunn, um, maybe even Austin Reeves in a first round pick for Nikola Vucevic. If I'm the Lakers, I'm doing that because I think that you just need like someone who's like able to stretch the floor as a big man because Anthony Davis may not be the best for that, and maybe you're saying oh Nikola Vucevic's rim protection is maybe not up to par for a big man. That's why you have Anthony Davis there at the four. So I, I'm a very big fan of the Lakers trading for Vucevic. Not so much uh, um, DeMar DeRozan because I, I, I think that for them to take in two max contract caliber players like that, especially with their ages, I believe they're both over the age of 30, it would be like, oh, they're going all in right now to win. But I, I just don't think that they really need to trade for DeMar DeRozan. They don't need scoring. They need a more complete team. And I think Nikola Vucevic provides that for them, but maybe not DeMar DeRozan. With the way Russell Westbrook has been playing in these past couple weeks, I think he's kind of untouchable now. We all thought that Russell Westbrook's going to get traded before the season, maybe during the season. And we all were basing that off of how he played last year. And that's honestly understandable with how he played last year. It was very, very understandable for him to be in all these trade talks. But... I think the Lakers found a formula to put Russell Westbrook in the best way possible and put him in the best situation to succeed for the Lakers. And I, with how he's playing right now and the situation that he's at, I don't think you can trade Russell Westbrook anymore. He's been so integral in this offense, and he's playing such a key part in making this Lakers team run. I mean, if you saw the stats from the past couple of weeks, this guy's averaging over 10 assists every single game. And when you have a facilitator like that, it's just you can't find another one out there without the same price as Russell Westbrook. And when you look at the 2018 roster with LeBron, and I'm not sure if you still remember this, Kaden, but remember LeBron said that he needed distributors, he needed playmakers on his team. That's why he basically flipped the whole Cavs roster for younger players and all that. I think the Lakers found their playmaker right now with Russell Westbrook and the way that he's coming off the bench. like That's the perfect compliment you need for LeBron. And a trade for DeRozan and Vucevic will put Lakers back in square one in terms of finding chemistry and with the team fitting 
and finding all the pieces together. You trade Russell Westbrook, you're back at where Russell Westbrook was when you first came in. Now you have to find all these players and trying to fit them all together in the puzzle. And that's just going to take time after time. And with how loaded the West is and where the Lakers are right now, you don't have that time to find chemistry if you trade Russell Westbrook and you know try to integrate all these players together and find put them on the same page. You don't have that time anymore. You guys started out 2 for 10, and now you're on this win streak. You're getting momentum. You're getting a win streak back, trying to climb back up in the standings. Trading Russell Westbrook, not the move for me. And where would DeRozan and Vucevic get their touches if you actually get them in, right? DeRozan, you can't have him shooting 10 shots per game. Like He's not going to do anything else but score for your team. So if DeRozan doesn't get his touches, Vucevic doesn't get his touches, are they really going to provide the same value as they can if, you know, if they trade Russell Westbrook? I think Russell Westbrook's impact on the Lakers is more impactful than what DeRozan and Vucevic can bring because you have Anthony Davis, right? He's going to at least take 15 shots, maybe even 20 shots per game. LeBron, same thing, at least 15 shots, 20 shots per game. So that's at least 30 to 40 shots per game. Where do you see DeRozan and Vucevic fitting in this team if you know, you have two players taking at least the majority of the shots, right? You can't. Yeah, just it's not. It's not possible. The Rose is not going to be taking that many shots. It's just not possible for this team. There's only one basketball, and what I see with Russell Westbrook right now, he has carved a Rajon Rondo type of role with the Lakers. When the Lakers won that championship in 2020, Rondo came off the bench, was the facilitator for this team, and honestly, a lot of times he was in that closing rotation to close out the game because his IQ on the court, this way that he's able to facilitate and play make the basketball. I see the same thing Russell Westbrook's doing right now. Both of them came into the Lakers, not the best of three-point shooting. But on the Lakers, Rondo was actually a pretty great three-point shooter. Not the best, but he was honestly respectable. He would hit that open three-point shot. Same thing with Russell Westbrook now. When you see him wide open, he could actually hit that three-point shot on the catch and shoot. And I think that's a very big reason why his three-point percentage is going up and up and up on the Lakers. Because he's not jacking up those you know, pull-up three-point shots that we've been seeing on OKC, on the Rockets, and the Wizards. His three-point shots are just from catch and shoot. And catch and shoot, you know, kid, you play the game of basketball. Catch and shoot is one of the easiest shots in the entire game, especially when you're wide open. One of the easiest shots that you could have. And when you're an NBA player, you train for catch and shoot situations. You don't make the NBA without being able to hit a three consistently. So... Russell Westbrook, I see him having a significant role on this Lakers team. And if the, I if I see the Lakers trade Russell Westbrook, I'm going to be heavily disappointed. Yeah, and I did want to mention one last thing too. I feel like this this um, rotational change from Darvin Ham has proven to be pivotal for this team. And I, I, I can't say enough how much of a fan I am of what Westbrook coming off the bench because he's someone who demands the ball. And to have that inserted with LeBron and Anthony Davis, I think it's just too much. But... To have him off the bench, maybe playing with the rotational guys. We saw what he did in Oklahoma City. His team was really, really not that good until Paul George got there. But before, it was pretty much just Steven Adams, Victor Oladipo, um, Dennis Schroeder, along with um, a few other players that are just like rotational players. And I think that um, Westbrook's really found something being in a similar role as he was in Oklahoma City because he is able to take over the game, whether it's through passing or just finishing because he's an excellent finisher and that hasn't changed at all. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I would say he's not on par with Rondo's facilitating, but they're pretty much even. And Russell Westbrook is a very explosive guard. I, he's he's an, a more explosive Rajon Rondo on this team. And I don't think the Lakers could, you know, ask any more of Russell Westbrook what he's doing right now. The way he's been facilitating, he could finish at the rim. I mean, it's a better Rajon Rondo for the Lakers right now. And 
I know Ron did get traded about a year later, but with the way he played in that Lakers one during the championship, I think the Lakers could really use someone like Russell Westbrook right now. All right, let's move on to the NFL. And I'm going to do this little quick segment called Rapid Hot Takes. I'm going to have a couple of hot takes from pretty much every game that happened during week 13. And you could either agree or disagree. So the first one, I think you pretty much agree with this one. The Packers still own the Chicago Bears. And Christian Watson is emerging as the clear number one wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. What do you think? Um, I, I agree completely. I think that Alan Lazard is kind of taking a seat back to just like watch kind of the development of Christian Watson. And he may not be Devontae Adams, but he's proving to be quite the player for sure. And yeah, the Bears, they, they just can't get past the Packers, man. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, even with Aaron Rodgers not playing his best, even without Devontae Adams, the Bears still can't find the win. against the Packers but Christian Watson let's talk about him for a tiny bit eight touchdowns in about I think three to four weeks I mean that's kind of phenomenal that's literally more than how much the Broncos have pretty much an entire season (laughs) so Christian Watson I think he's gonna be a great player in the NFL and if Aaron Rodgers continues to stay with the Packers I think if you're a fantasy owner you're gonna have to look into Christian Watson and kind of drafting him early next year let's move on to the Lions game and I think from the Lions at the big takeaway I got was the Lions offense is very underrated and explosive, but their defense is so bad that it's the main reason that they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, I have to agree with that. Um, I, I Earlier into the season, we saw the Lions consistently scoring 30-plus, so the worry was not their offense. And um, to coupled with that, though, they did draft. Their first pick was Aiden Hutchinson, and so... It, 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 it like they know that their defense is maybe subpar and they're trying to make changes to it and I, I honestly if you're a Lions fan even though you have Jared Goff as your QB I think that you're looking at Amon Ross St. Brown really blossoming into a wide receiver one that's capable of consistently putting up numbers along with DeAndre Swift and even Jamal Williams who's been like quite a spark for them really out of nowhere being a very excellent threat in the red zone um this team is starting to really find out and they do have a couple star players on that defense, like Jeff Okuda and and possibly Aiden Hutchinson. I, I I saw a couple of highlights of him getting interceptions as a defensive lineman. It just shows his versatility in that aspect. So I'm excited to see what they provide down the line. But like you said, I think that this offense is very complete, but the defense not not nearly. And so the changes need to come in order for them to truly compete. Definitely. And my next one from the Eagles and Titans game. This one might be controversial. But I think the Eagles, after that win, are the best team in the NFL. Um, it, you really can't debate it because they are eleven and one. They did lose to the Commanders, which was a bit of a surprise. Although I did predict that correctly. Um, but just looking at the way their roster is filled out, like their defense is so complete, and along with their offense, they just like Jalen Hurts has really like become the leader of that team. And for him to do that, along with them getting the additions of A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith really becoming that wide receiver. Too. Even, like, could possibly be a wide receiver one on a different team. Um, Miles Sanders getting consistent touches now. It's just, like, they really weren't complete last year. But now that you look at it, not only are they incorporating players that kind of had disappointing seasons last year, like maybe Dar- Darius Slay and like um, um, James Bradbury. He was, remember, James Bradbury was cut not not anything else and or if i'm not mistaken um and so he's really became a leader for that defense along with slay and so it's good to see them really figure out their um their team because that team is really good and i i would say that right now they are the best team in the nfl and my next one from the ravens and broncos game if the mar jackson is out for a couple of weeks the ravens are screwed and they may not even touch the playoffs this year 
Um, I think that he has a he has I think a sprained PCL in his knee. Um, that's not a light injury, and I think you're completely correct. This Ravens team, if they don't have the threat of Lamar's versatility on the offensive end, being able to run the ball as he does, this team is not going to succeed. And I I honestly think that <clears throat> even if Lamar was healthy, they would have struggled to make the playoffs. Even even so, because because their division has the Bengals, and so. They are on the come up, and as we've seen in recent weeks, and be, as they just beat the Chiefs too, so it'll be tough for them to withstand this injury and also make the playoffs. Because I think that Tyler Huntley, well, he's not a, the worst quarterback; he's just not nearly Lamar, and so it really just takes away a large, just a large amount of their offensive production. So I, I have to agree with you. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs if this injury is serious. Yeah, I mean the Ravens' offense just. After that first three weeks, it just took a turn for the worst. I mean, there's no wide receivers that you can say that, hey, Lamar should throw him the ball. It's literally Mark Andrews and no one else on the receiving end. So the Ravens offense, they need a lot of changes. I didn't know what they were thinking trading Marquise Brown away in the offseason. I mean, he wasn't the best of the best of the wide receivers, but he was clearly at least a very serviceable wide receiver that Lamar could use right now. And he was he was a deep threat as well. They, was, ha- yeah. they have no one like that. Like Rashad, ba- Rashad Bateman is injured right now. Their really only offensive production besides Lamar is Mark Andrews, who's been really struggling as of recent weeks, too. So a lot of question marks for that team. Let's move on. The 49ers and Miami Dolphins game. I think that was a very surprising game. I thought that game was going to be a very close one. I thought that game should have been slated to Sunday night football, but it turns out the 49ers are looking like a super, super strong Super Bowl contender right now. And they're on the comet. They're a very dark horse. But the Jimmy G injury could significantly hinder their chances. I have to agree with that. Now that you're down, not only Jimmy G, who's your backup quarterback, but Trey Lance is still out for the year. It's just like Brock Purdy, man. I I don't know if this offense is like if it's gonna really be the same consistent like superpower that we've seen them be this entire time. But what I am gonna say is that if any QB were to be sub like just inserted into that position it would be the best position for them to be in ever in their career because there is just so many like fire so many fire firepower players for this offense as you know McCaffrey George Kittle Brandon Ayuk and uh, we they still are down injured they have injured players as well so this team while they're not even fully healthy they're still a very solid team and we saw that last week too so it, it it, it's a little tough to say because if you don't have a reliable quarterback, you really can't predict how well you're going to do. But man, this charge, uh, the Chargers, <laughs> this Niners defense is also so good too. So like I said, if you're, a, if you're a quarterback and you get inserted into this offense, it will be the best the team that you'll probably play with. I mean, for Purdy, I think he looked pretty good when he was subbed in for Jimmy G. He didn't, I mean, of course, he's not like the best quarterback in the entire NFL, but I mean, like you said, he's very serviceable, actually. And for the 49ers offense, they don't really need Purdy to throw like a 40-yard bomb downfield to like Debo Samuel. Like their offense is mainly a run first, pound the ball down the field, and then short passes to Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk. So I think if you're Brock Purdy, not that hard of a, you know, quarterback position to be in, not that hard of a system to co- incorporate because, I mean, you're basically doing five-yard passes, 10-yard passes, maybe a, an occasional 20-yard pass downfield. Not that much, like, not too hard if you're an NFL quarterback. And for the Rams, they're looking so awful right now, and it's <laughs> shocking to see with all the injuries and disappointments this year. But, hey, they got Baker Mayfield, right? They did, they did. 
And for the Bengals, and from their win against the Chiefs, the Bengals look like they could repeat as AFC championships. Agree or disagree? I agree. And I saw this game. Um, I watched the entirety of it, too. And to see Jamar Chase just get production right back, like it, I'm not going to say like he never left because he, he did at times look like he was on, on a, um, I think, a snap count. But coming back from this injury, he looked really good. And that's what they needed to have T Higgins like his his production's been insane um since the injury of Jamar Chase but to have Jamar Chase back as that wide receiver one is going to prove to be pivotal for this team and like you said I I think that um they've really just gone under the radar kind of like we knew this team like should be good going into the season because they were the AFC champions and they went to the Super Bowl and actually put up a fight in the Super Bowl too so it's the same team too they didn't really make a ton of changes they added Hayden Hurst, who I think is a very nice option for them to have it tied in over CJ Uzuma, Uzuma, who they had previously last year. Um, and their defense has been consistently, I'm, I'm not going to say great, but solid in a way that they just can hold teams to what they need, like they did with the Chiefs. And so I think that if all goes well, this team is the same team as last year. And therefore, I think I, I really can't say that they will not make the AFC Championship because... This, although they may have had some question marks earlier into the season, they've they beat the Chiefs like they did to go to the Super Bowl. So I don't know. It's it's very interesting. What's your take on that? Because I think the Bengals struggled to start out the season. That's literally the main reason why you know a lot of people weren't talking about the Bengals. And they, like you said, have went under the radar. And now I think they're what eight and four yes. on the year. So I mean, eight and four is a very solid record on most occasions. That's number one in your in your division but with the Ravens also eight and four too they're on second in their division but like you said the Bengals when I see everyone in the AFC right now I see the Dolphins the Chiefs the Bills and honestly I can see the Bengals actually going to the AFC and maybe repeat going back to the Super Bowl I mean the Chiefs they have their numbers they figured them out not going to say it's going to happen every time I mean if they see if I see a rematch I honestly think I'm gonna have to go with the Chiefs again for the (laughs) fourth time but the Bills aren't looking like the best team in the NFL anymore. They've been kind of shaky on the offensive end and defensive end. Von Miller out for the season now. The Miami Dolphins aren't looking like the best. Like The Miami Dolphins didn't look that scary anymore as they were in the beginning of the season. Like The 49ers made them look silly. So with all these kind of turmoil, the struggles in the AFC so far, the Bengals, I could honestly see them coming out too out of the AFC. And if you look at the NFC now, I got a pretty big one too. The Cowboys look like they can give the Eagles a run for their money and they could maybe become the NFC champs. I mean, we've we've seen this defense consistently just play at a different level, I think really all season. Their question marks were really on the offensive end, I feel like, whether they were going to get consistent play from um, CeeDee Lamb, whether or not Michael Gallup was going to be a good option, and he is proving to be, Michael Gallup is, to be that number two behind CeeDee Lamb, and that's really pivotal for that offense as well. Um while Dak Prescott maybe got off to a slow start, no, got injured early into the year, he started to get more comfortable in this offense, I feel like. And that's that's proving to be just so good for this team. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Really putting up 33 points and allowing zero against in the fourth quarter is kind of insane. Like, I, I really don't know what to make of this team. I think that they could really, for sure, give um, the Eagles a run for their money, for sure. And... Second to lastly, Tom Brady still has that dog in him. I mean, listen, 
his team is six and six, but what I've seen from Brady this season is really not anything different from years past. And so I don't think the problems rely on Brady, but I've watched kind of just, I don't even know what to make of it, but their defense, okay, to start with their defense, their defense has been phenomenal this year. I don't think that they have really understepped anything. Devin White's been phenomenal for them as well. And um, I think that they're really struggling because of two things. Um, when they went on that run to win the uh, championship, Leonard Fournette was heavily um, involved and kind of took over the lead back role in this offense. We're starting to see kind of like the emergence of Rashad White in a way that he can become a more of a pass catcher back, something that maybe Leonard Fournette has struggled to do this year. And I think that also Mike Evans has really, really struggled in not only like this past couple weeks, but really throughout the entire season. He does not look like himself. So I don't know. This... This team on offense, I think, has a few questions that they need to answer. But looking at the division, it looks like they're going to make the playoffs still. So uh, what I've learned throughout my entire life is that you don't go against Brady in the playoffs. You don't bet against him. So honestly, if I were to say that this Brady is, is this Brady the same Brady that we've seen, I will say yes, because of just the fact that I think he's just... He's phenomenal, man. <laughs> I mean, vintage moment right there. Had the game-winning drive against the Saints. I mean, that's just pretty much classic Brady right there. Once I, once I saw the um, the Buccaneers have the ball after that three-and-out stop, I knew the game was over. I mean, Tom Brady <laughs> can't stop him in the in the clutch. And then lastly, the Browns won't make the playoffs with how bad Deshaun Watson played against the Texans. Oh, man. It, honestly, this might be the most tricky one out of everything. Um... Deshaun Watson has not played an NFL game in a very, very long time. So I don't want to like go and assume anything after his debut because I knew that he was going to go off to a rough start for sure. Um, but we know this Browns team a couple years ago with Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt as a lead backs with Baker Mayfield too, who I think is by far worse than Deshaun Watson. They made a decent, not a run in the playoffs, but they got to the playoffs and they had a good seed. So... I think that their defense, too, really is not weak at all. We know the strengths of this de- that defense. I think it really comes down to, does Deshaun Watson get acquainted with this team in time for the playoffs? If not, then they probably will not make it. If they do, if he really learns to trust um, Amari Cooper, who I think is a underrated, underrated wide receiver right now. Nobody's mentioning his name. Um, and Nick Chubb, you know what he'll give you. Kareem Hunt, the lead pass back for that team, too. It's just like... It's a good position for Deshaun to be in, so I'm not gonna jump to a conclusion. I'm not gonna say that he will miss the that they will miss the playoffs 100, but it will be hard for them to make it for sure, given that they're below 500 right now. For sure, and let's 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 just look at the playoff race right now. So so far in the AFC, the Bills are number one, Chiefs are number two, Ravens number three, and Titans number four. And in the wild card spots, we have the Bengals, the Dolphins, and the Jets. And on the outside people looking in, a couple of considerable options. We have the Patriots, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Browns. And of course, the Steelers also 5-7. and seven. So in the AFC, who do you think is going to make the playoffs? Um, I, okay, we, I think it's safe to say that the Bills will win the division. I know, I know they are one game back, and the Dolphins do hold the record over them, I believe. But I think the Bills will perform well enough to win that division. Same with the Chiefs. I don't see any team giving them for a run same with the titans i think that um honestly i'm gonna say the Bengals over the ravens even though they have the same record right now because the Bengals have been more consistent and they have their quarterback healthy so those four teams i think in the afc will for sure make the playoffs 
the questionable ones, or honestly, the the Dolphins. I'm going to put them in there too. I don't see them missing the playoffs. But the questionable ones, the Ravens, I think that they're going to have a severe drop-off after Lamar's injury. Honestly, I'm very iffy about the Jets because they've been so good at times in the season, but they've played teams like the Patriots that have just, like, like I mean, the Patriots do on the Jets, but, like, you know, they've just kind of made fun of the way that they, like, I don't know, just they didn't stand a chance. And so it's tough to say, but I think that the Chargers, the Patriots, and the Jets, those three teams, only one of them makes it. So it'll be interesting who comes down for that, but I have the Bills, Dolphins, Bengals, Titans, Chiefs making it, along with, um, I'll say the Ravens because I don't see them losing like four games to drop to 500. I think they're going to probably, they have another game against, I believe, the Steelers and the Steelers, I don't know. We'll see. But Jets, Patriots, and um, the Chargers, those three teams are in the run, in the hunt right now. So watch out for those teams. I'm going to make a bullet take. I don't think the Ravens are going to make the playoffs if Lamar is out with where this injury is, and if he misses like two to three weeks, I don't think the Ravens are going to make the playoffs. They're playing the Steelers, and the Steelers are honestly have a pretty great defense. And against Lamar, with the non-Lamar Jackson team, I think the Steelers can win this game and kind of put the Ravens in a spot where they can't make the playoffs. Um, the Patriots, I think that they could make it, but I got to see how the Jets play in the next couple of weeks. They have a, you know, a very tough game against the Bills. Patriots playing on a struggling Cardinals team. So with that, I could see maybe the Jets or Patriots intertwining with each other. The Chargers, though, too many injuries. I don't see them making the playoffs. So, so far, I think that Ravens probably would be able to make it, even though I just said they won't make it. <laughs> just looking back at it right now, I forgot the Chargers aren't playing that well. If the Browns continue to rise, maybe they can take the spot over the, um, over the Ravens. But as of right now, I could see the Jets not making it and the Patriots taking it in. Uh, looking at the Patriots' schedule, however, right now, it's kind of making me a little iffy. They're playing the Bengals, they're playing the Dolphins, and they're playing the Bills still. Hmm. So, they have a very difficult stretch. They, I, I feel like they can, because the uh, the Bills, I feel like, are going to rest their players to la- that last game, mm-hmm. um, because they're going to be locks in, in my opinion. Um, however, they have three very difficult opponents, so it'll be interesting. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the NFC. Of course, the Eagles, number one in the NFC. The Vikings, number two. The four Niners have that spot in the number three. And the Bucks, number four. And to fill out the wild card positions, the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Seahawks. And the teams outside looking in so far, the Washington Commanders, uh, the Green Bay Packers, and the Detroit Lions. And maybe the Falcons, if they're able to string up some wins. Yeah, um, just looking at this right now, I think that the locks. I know there's two. There's two in the same division that are locks. Even though they that like one of them isn't guaranteed to make the playoffs. The Eagles are making the playoffs for sure. They're eleven and one. They're winning the division too. Unless some, they just struggle. Even though I think the Cowboys, both the Cowboys and the Eagles, are both making the playoffs. Same with the Vikings. Um, it gets tricky though. The 49ers, Seahawks. I don't know who's gonna win that division. They are one game apart, so it'll be interesting. But I think both of those teams do make it though. However, I think the Giants and the Commanders, one of those teams is not going to make the playoffs. And if I had to bet on it, I honestly would say the Giants don't make the playoffs, even though they've come off to an incredible start to the year. I believe they were 5-2, and two, now 7-4. and four. Um, However, we've talked about this in previous episodes too. Um, Saquon Barkley is really their prime um, produ- uh, offensive production, and for him to just kind of take over the only way that they improve 
I feel like um, to get a better record than they currently have and to make up make the playoffs is if Saquon just goes ballistic, and I I don't think that's a high likelihood too. So um, I'm gonna say that the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Vikings. And the Buccaneers, of course, I think they're going to win their division. And the 49ers and the Seahawks, those are kind of locks to make it, in my opinion. Because because I think that the Seahawks, um, although they, they aren't guaranteed right now, I think that their team is more complete, in my opinion, than the Commanders and the Giants. So it comes down to one of those teams, the Giants and the Commanders, I'm honestly going to take the Commanders. I think the Seahawks, too, I agree, are going to make the playoffs. They're playing the Panthers next week. And with how weak their division is, which is kind of funny to say... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think the Seahawks are better than the Cardinals. They're better than the Rams. I'm not sure if they played both of them twice already, but if not, I think that should be an, another win for the Seahawks. But again, like they're playing the Panthers next week, should be another easy win for the Seahawks. So again, like, I think it's also going to come down to the Giants and the Commanders, but I think I'm going to have to go with the Giants, to be honest. I mean, I know the Washington defense has been playing great, but offensively, I still are I'm a little iffy about them. I know uh, Terry McLaurin is a really phenomenal wide receiver, but... I'm, I lean more of the Giants' offense, and I'm gonna take the Giants' offense more than the Washington offense. And Washington's going to buy, but the Giants are gonna have a tough game against the Eagles. I do see the Eagles losing that one, making them the same record as the Commanders, seven five and one. But we're just gonna have to see how they play out because whoever's playing the best ball during the last stretch of games in the regular season, I think that's a team that's going to make the playoffs for sure. Yeah, and the Commanders, they are playing the Giants, actually, not this week, but next week. So I think, honestly, whichever team wins that game is going to probably make the playoffs. Um, the Giants, though, they are playing the Eagles twice in, mm. in their remaining games, and along with the Vikings. So um, it'll be tricky for them to make the playoffs. I know that those three oppo- two opponents, really, um, are just far better than them. Although the Eagles is the last game of the year, so they, um, again, might choose to rest their players. It's really impossible to tell, but if I were to pick, I know it's a little weird, but I'm going to take the Commanders because I trust their defense so much. I just think that they can shut down opponents. So, yeah, it'll be interesting, though. Definitely. And that's all we have for today. And for more episodes, check out Top House Sports on Spotify. I'm Hansel Chill, along with Katie Montemid, and we'll see you next time.